This is a homebrew podcast. Slay the Stars is a D&D actual play podcast you're looking for. A dark fairy tale cosmic fantasy. Now that's what I'm talking about. Listen in every other Tuesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on any major streaming platform. Slaythestars.com. Persomnia at Astra. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mythcraft, the podcast. I am sitting here with our apathetic anarchist. Say hi, everyone. Hi, hi everyone. everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm apathetic. <laughs> Perfect. Already getting in character. Uh, real quick, I'm going to pass it over to Nathan for a quick announcement. Yeah, I just want to be sure that you're aware of our upcoming uh, Mythcraft Kickstarter, Veil of the Eternal Night which is a massive campaign spanning levels 1 to 30 in Mythcraft and 1 to 20 in D&D. We're releasing them side by side so you can play in your system of preference or play in both with different groups or with the same group, whatever you want to do. Um, be sure to go to votin.mythcraftrpg.com to uh, sign up for like um, announcements and just stay in the loop about everything you need to know for that upcoming Kickstarter. It's going to be a huge campaign, grimdark, gothic horror, vampire stuff. So, like all of that amazing, like berserk, Castlevania-inspired kind of like content. It's going to be a really cool setting. So, uh, be sure to stay informed there. Um, that's all for this week. I'm going to pass it back to Kyle. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. So we will get into our campaign long ago on sarah was ruled by enormous planetary natural disasters and rampaging kaijin a series of devastating disasters and valiant efforts from humanoids to put an end to the kaijin menace laid the groundwork for civilization to truly prosper and a remarkable phenomenon in the sky reflects this monumental change for generations the night sky held nothing other than the moons. Murky clouds lay beyond the moons by night and the sun by day. But one day, this changed. Like a tear in a curtain, a great rend has opened in the sky. By day, this is simply a stretch of sky where the distant clouds are absent, though normal atmospheric clouds might still float through this space. By night, those who look to the sky can see stars for the first time in recorded history. While the clouds that separate on Sarah's solar system from the pale persist, the enormous tear in the sky is filled with the magic of twinkling stars and fills the people of Ansara with wonder and awe. Approximately 200 years following the tear, the nation of Chehoserin found that they were devastated by the natural disasters that were occurring and realized they needed to split their nation into two. This was done amicably and out of need to localize their power to survive the difficult times. Approximately 400 years ago, the nation of Rashalan, a nation with a powerful military, began to aggressively expand and conquer its neighbors. She, the nation annexed from Chehoseron, was in return annexed into Rashalan. Chehoseron has recently sent word to Posh that their scouts have seen Rashalan forces accumulating at the borders. Chehoserin themselves have started to muster their own forces in response, but are fearful that Rashalan may have something hidden up their sleeves. Posh has stated that they plan to investigate quietly to see what they can find. 
and that will lead us into our current setting. In the forest between Posh and Rashalan, we cut to a large oak tree surrounded by a beautiful, prosperous inn known as the Great Oaks Tavern. As we cut a little bit higher into the trees to a small room, we meet one of our first adventurers. Mal, can you introduce your character to us? Yeah, so we've got here Thistle, Thistle Featherfoot. They are a little kleppin. Uh, they look like a giant Indian squirrel, so they've got really cool-looking maroon-colored fur, gets a little bit darker around the ears, and fades into a kind of yellowish-orange around their face and their belly, their hands and their feet, and the end of their very long tail. Uh, their tail is probably almost twice the length of their body. Yeah, they're only about two foot nine, but if you ask them, they are three feet tall, and they will be very adamant about that. Totally not defensive about their height at all. They're wearing a loose, flowy white shirt and some green-colored pants. Just average, not peasanty clothing, but humble. Fantastic. Thank you very much. So yeah, as we cut into this room, we see Thistle sitting here uh, in a little bit of a heated argument with their parents. Uh, as we cut to Thistle's dad, look... I don't care what you say. No child of mine is going to be running off it doing who knows what and putting themselves in danger. No, you have a place here at the inn. This isn't my true place, Dad. My place is in Posh. You tell me this every single year. Please, I'm ten years old. I can go out on my own. We are, we are planning to expand. We are adding new rooms onto the inn. We need you here to help run that. You're not going to just run off and go put yourself in danger. I know how to fend for myself. I can expand my own life. Make a name for myself. Don't want to stay here forever. You can't keep me here forever. Thistle's mother kind of walks between both of you, holding up her hands. All right, look, we, we don't need to be getting this this escalated all right let's just all sit down have a nice a nice dinner and then we'll discuss this more level-headedly can we do that i don't know dad can we do that <laughs> it depends are you just going to run or try to run off again every time i turn around you seem to be obsessed with all of these adventurers out there people who have no business being anywhere around my child. That's who I'm meant to be, Dad. I can feel it. I can't deal with you right now. I'm... I'm, I'm done. And he just walks into the other room. Oh, uh, who's running away now? Uh, your mother just kind of walks up and puts her hand on your shoulder. Maybe... Maybe just head downstairs for a while and, you know, just talk with some of the patrons. Give your father a chance to calm down and then we'll discuss this again. I... I think that he can see reason, even if you're just going to Posh in order to just get supplies. He's just, he's worried for you, dear. Okay, Mum. Thank you. And Thistle will leave. All right. (laughs) And move Uh, everyone with them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So as Thistle heads downstairs, uh, we are actually going to head down into the tavern area uh, where we will find... In uh, seated in one of the chairs by the door 
a very kind of grizzled old man hunkered over the table. And uh, Cody, why don't you introduce your character to us? Yeah, absolutely. Old man Harlow, he's just sitting alone. He is sampling some mead, swirling around, smelling it, tasting it, sipping it, being very delicate about the whole process. He's got a little notepad that he's writing some notes in. You know, notes of Blackberry. He's dressed very shabbily. He has very tattered old clothes. Like, you know, I would say maybe even below a commoner's clothes. Just just rags, basically. Um, He's got a cane, his bag. He's got a big scruffy beard. He's got a really, really bad receding hairline with a widow's peak. Just a little puff of hair on top. An isolated island. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Uh, I appreciate it. (laughs) As Harlow is sitting here, um, he does hear kind of from his uh, coming from up the stairs behind the door here, uh, you know, does hear some kind of shuffling around as... Uh, you know, the door opens up and you see a very brightly colored Kleppen, uh, you know, coming out from behind the bar and coming out to mingle a little bit. There's one guy who's sitting here at the counter looks up. Oi, can I get, um, can I get another glass? That wine's, uh, whew. Yeah, my dad does brew pretty strong stuff. I'll get you another one. Oi. And between the bustle that's going on here, um, you know, it's... It's pretty common day here at the Great Oaks Tavern. Uh, there's quite a bit of conversation going on. The troubadour who was just here playing some music has, you know, stepped away for his break at the time, but he's going to be coming back shortly. <laughs> uh, you can smell the the different meats that are being smoked right now, um, being slow cooked back in the kitchen. Uh, definitely a very welcoming environment. I think after. After Thistle fills up the second round for this man, I think they're going to head over to the newcomer, come out from behind the bar, head over and just make sure that everything's going okay. Hi, um, haven't seen you here before. Can I get you anything? Oh, are you talking to me? Oh, yeah, yes, sorry. Um, can I get you anything? Uh, yeah, I'll take uh, another glass of whatever this is, uh. <laughs> It's pretty good. All right. What do you call this? That is a very good question. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a uh, honey nut ale. Okay. Oh, that's our, um, how special, our honey nut ale. Well, it's very good. It's not what I normally drink, but I appreciate it for what it is. That's lovely. What do you normally drink, if you don't mind me asking? I'm, I'm more of a mead guy. Ooh, love a good mead. Or a... Hard liquor. (laughs) I can't say I've ever had that before. You don't have any around here? Well, if we do, I'm not allowed to drink it. That's a damn shame. You should definitely be allowed. (laughs) Can I have this will give me a real quick awareness check? (laughs) It's going to be a crit or a crit fail. It's the only two options. Ones and twenties. Awareness. An eight. Fantastic. This old man looks kind of familiar to you, but you cannot place where you may have seen him before. I will 
go fill up another glass and bring it right back to him. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I've seen you here before, but you do look really familiar. Have you been here before? Uh, no, no, I've never been here before. I'm just here to sample the drinks and be on my way, get some supplies. While you're here, you wouldn't happen to have any interesting stories of maybe places you've been? Uh, no, I haven't been around very much recently. It's, you know, pretty, pretty dangerous out there for an old man like me, and I mostly just stay at home. Where is home for you? I'd love to get out of here. Oh, I have a nice place out in the woods. It's really isolated. No one comes and bothers me. <laughs> well, I have plans to leave home and go to Posh and make my own home where people can bother me whenever they want. He gets kind of a serious look on his face. Why would you want to go there? I've heard such wonderful stories from all the adventurers that have come through here. It just sounds like a bustling place full of opportunity and... Don't tell my mum and dad. I have been learning to make my own weapons, and I really hope to open my open up my own armor shop someday. Well, that could do good out there, I suppose. Uh, could always use another good muffin shop, uh, but you better watch your back because that place is dangerous. I know. Isn't it exciting? Exciting, I suppose. Not what I would call fun or exciting, but sure, I suppose, for a young person like yourself. The big city is always fascinating. Just kind of starts mumbling into his drink and takes a big gulp. Can I have Thistle give me another check real quick? Mm -hmm. um, this one's going to be a intelligence. Okay. Or actually just, just call it a luck check. Can I use fortuity for this? Uh, you can. It's not in the cards today, apparently. All right, so a nine. Saving it for when you really need it. So with that nine, you swear that you have seen something about this man before. He just looks familiar, but not like this. I'm so sorry to keep bothering you. I just, you just, I swear I've seen you before. You look so familiar to me and I just can't place it. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> all right, well, I am going to go to Posh one day. I'm going to make a name for myself, just like Old Man Harlow. Yeah, I, I, what, why would you want to be like that old guy? The man is a legend. I've heard so many stories about him. Have you seriously not heard of him before? Yeah, I've heard of him. I heard he's not, not the best person to be hanging around, though. But that's exactly why I want to hang around him. He's got so many stories and tales... I've heard such incredible things about him. He's also got people that are out for him. Uh, you'd make yourself a target. That's one of the most exciting things anyone's ever said to me. I need a charisma check real quick from Harlow. <laughs> Let's see here. Not much better. I got an 11. An 11. It still says Nathan. It still says me. <laughs> Nathan got an 11. <laughs> you can roll again. <laughs> okay, so an 11. So Thistle... You see the similarities now. You can see that there's a lot of similarities in this old man as there is in the stories you've seen of Old Man Harlow. Wait a minute. No way. Are you Old Man Harlow? Uh, 
Listen, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. <laughs> That's a yes if I ever heard one. I can't believe it. You're not what I expected. What did you expect? My name's Old Man. <laughs> you know, I never actually thought of it that far. I do have some good stories, I suppose, but most of them don't end well. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to ask. Is it true you once wrestled a Kraken on your own just to see if you could win? It was, it was a guy named the Kraken. Oh. <laughs> well, um, I've, I've heard some legends that you could defeat a full-grown manticore with one hand tied behind your back and still make it home in time for dinner. Maybe when I was younger. Oh. I'm, I'm not the man I used to be. Well... Maybe it's time for a new adventurer to step up and follow in your footsteps. Very large footsteps. Well, I, I wish you all the luck in the world. I, I don't really know what to... I would advise against it. Please, please. Just one more adventure. Just teach me something. Mm, I spend most of my time working on my special brew these days. I, I don't know... Now, your father's a pretty good brewer, but how about you? You're mostly muffin specialization. I do have all my father's recipes. Okay. Well, I wouldn't mind seeing some of those recipes. I wouldn't mind sharing them with someone who wants to go on adventures with me. Come on, please. Well, I haven't been that way in quite some time. Uh, I suppose it's worth checking out one last time before I pass away. Yes, this is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I'll go get my things. And Thistle will head back behind the bar. Yeah, old man Harlow just mumbles into his drink some more. He's like, what am I getting myself into? Uh, so the quick question is, are you trying to sneakily grab your stuff? Yes, very much so. Okay, so I am going to need a dexterity check real quick. Okay. <laughs> That's just not your day. Oh my god. So I, Thistle's just way too excited. They're another eight. Hopping around yeah. a little. <laughs> so with that eight, uh Thistle heads back <laughs> inside. I'm actually going to roll something real quick because I had something. Let's see if that still happens. Okay. You actually got very lucky because they're uh your parents are not in the house currently amazing that's the fortuity role coming back in and <laughs> not being bad yes. <laughs> so you actually uh got very lucky and are able to gather up your things and you make it back before they leave are you leaving a note i am leaving a note and it is as follows dear mom and dad he's real old man hollow is real and she's going to teach me how to be an adventurer just like him. Mom, I'll share your pastry recipes when we get to Posh, and I'll try to write as often as I can. Dad, I'm sorry I shouted. And I'm sorry for leaving without saying goodbye. Again. I just need you to believe me. I'm meant for bigger things than just running a tavern. I'm going to make a real name for myself. You'll see. I love you both so much. So yeah, you... Gather up all of your belongings, uh, head back downstairs to Harlow, and you guys head out, uh, heading back or heading over to Posh. And that those are our first two characters. Well, it's a long road from here to Posh, but I guess we'll find our way there eventually. 
And I'm sure you have a lot more stories to tell. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're actually going to pan over to a tavern in Posh. Uh, So in this basic bustling tavern here in Posh, with the the noise, uh, the music playing, the smell of ale and wine and slow-cooked meats, we see a very interesting character who appears to be a little out of place, but is sitting enjoying their drink. Uh, Andy, can you introduce your character to us? Absolutely. Uh, my character's name is uh, Kyrus Mara. Kyrus is uh, a fiend blood coming out of a Hondu. So she's very, very tall, very slim. She's six foot two. She looks um, very similar to um, an Anubis type dog. She does not have much hair, if any. But the more you look at her, the more you realize things are just slightly off. And that's the fiend coming through. Her teeth are almost always showing. Her fangs are slightly longer than you would expect them to be, almost protruding out. Her eyes are solid black, and all of her skin is just gray and a little bit too gaunt, almost skeletal. And she's got this long tail, but instead of just being like a normal dog's tail, it's got spines that go all the way down it. So quite quite a terrifying figure. Um, she's sitting straight up, always always good posture, sipping her drink, kind of enjoying it, but more tuning into the going-ons around her. And the, the most off-putting part is that the way she's dressed is in complete contrast. She's in whites and golds, embroidered, very, very clean, very good looking <laughs> in terms of just light. Um, she's got some armor adornment on her face and um, on her shoulders, but it's all very much for show. It's not going to protect her in any way. Um, it's just all to just look, look the part. She's one, a very dark looking character trying to look as positive as she can in an environment that she does not fit in. Perfect. Thank you very much. All right. So, as Kira sits here, uh, you know, sipping on her drink, she just kind of bows her head a little bit and starts thinking about the reason why she is in Posh. As she experiences kind of a sort of flashback. And we cut to a few days prior over in your home region of Vanith as you stand in the throne room of the Bloodstone, speaking to your Emperor. Kiris, I called you here for a very important mission. Sir? We, we cannot be overheard. I need you to go to Pash. It is very important you figure out what those Rashalanis are up to. Why would why would the answers be in Posh? Posh is the, the hub. It is where all information goes. Go to Posh. See what you can find out. Do not let anyone know where you are from or what you are doing there. Be quiet, be silent, be a shadow. Figure out what is going on and report back to me. Me alone. I trust you. You are a daughter 
of the fiends. I know you have Vanna's interest at heart. Speak of this to anyone. <laughs> of course. Uh, absolutely. I, sh- I shall leave immediately. He starts, like, looking over his shoulder. He appears to be very aware that someone might possibly be listening in. Give me an awareness check. Is investigating close, or is this not quite investigating? We will say... I, I don't think investigating would quite be what we're looking at here. Deal. That's a nine. We're just staying on track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just staying, wow. staying right with there. Okay, so with the nine, you are not sure if this is a legitimate paranoia or if there's a reason for the paranoia uh, or if there may be some thought that he's having here. Um, it's very possible that someone might po- might be listening in. You're not entirely too sure. But he does seem very hesitant to explain too much of what he thinks might be happening. Uh, he just wants you to figure out any information that you, that you can. Emperor, sir, is there somebody in particular I should avoid on my way out? Do not trust Rashalanis. I do not know who might be there, who might just, just do not, do not interact with the Rashalanis because we never know who might be part of the government or who might be part of, of anything. Just in, ingrain yourself. You, you know what to do. I, he starts kind of looking around. Just, just figure out what you can. Okay. Just figure out what you can. I trust you. Okay. I trust you. Okay. I, I will go to Posh and find out what I can about what's going on and report back directly directly to you. Absolutely. And he gives you, you know, just kind of the, the Vanith salute of uh, you know, hand over his heart and kind of turns around and sits back on his throne, not to set at you. Return the salute and leave looking confident, but as soon as she turns around, just have a very confused look on her face as uh, she prepares immediately to leave. So, as Kiris remembers all of this, what are just kind of some of her thoughts as she sits here in this tavern? Kiris is feeling a lot of that paranoia, definitely. A little bit of confusion. This is this is her first time out of where she grew up. So she she knows some things about Posh, but her experiences thus far have not really matched that. So I think she's she's feeling very uncomfortable and really trying trying her best to get get a feel for the area and probably find some assets almost um, that she can try to make a connection with so that she can ingrain herself as the emperor said um, and try to figure out how a six foot two fiend can become a shadow <laughs> in posh. As you're sitting here in the tavern, um, go ahead and give me, uh, go ahead and give me an awareness check. And investigating actually would work on this one. Okay. Well, that would have only been a ten. A ten. As you kind of start looking around, you see that there is a, there's you know a bunch of people sitting around. No one appears to be kind of giving you any. They're not paying you any notice or anything like that. It seems like in posh, at least, that there are definitely. They're used to seeing, you know, 
maybe not your standard individuals around all the time. And you know that this is primarily because of the the university here. Um, so at the university, all walks of life from all across Cathandia come to Posh in order to study. And so no one's really paying you any kind of mind. You do see over here at the table next to you that there are two individuals sitting and they seem to be having a conversation, not really trying to keep it quiet. But with a 10 on your investigating check, you do hear little snippets of the conversation periodically where one of the individuals who appears to be wearing very proper clothing, he's wearing a very nice adorned robe, uh, appears to be wearing some jewelry and stuff, gestures over to his comrade and, yeah, it's it's strange. The, the entire university is on lockdown right now. Apparently a dignitary from Jehozrin has come to request an, an audience. And so I'm not sure exactly what it's about, but, you know, right now, Dean Livingston is supposed to be sitting down with them and figuring out what is going on. From the sound of it, too, it's very strange. Uh, General Tovald is in on that meeting as well, too, so uh, I'm not sure exactly, but hey, if I get the rest of the day off, I'm happy about it, right? Kiris will just stand up and walk right over. Full, full confidence. Excuse me. Hello. Yes. So Sorry, I overheard your conversation. You, you're speaking quite loudly. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. Well, we weren't trying to hide. Uh, can, can I help you? Oh, yes. Uh, apologies. I'm new to the area. Um, and I just heard you talking about the university and it being locked down. That's, that's unusual, is it? Is it not? Not necessarily. I mean, from time to time, there's important meetings that are held there. Uh, you know, Dean Livingston is, is you know, uh, works very closely with General Tovald in, in the protection and furthering of Posh. And so periodically that will happen. It's not too terribly uncommon, but uh, uncommon enough that, you know, it's it's a little bit surprising when it happens, but... It's nothing to write home about. It's nothing to be, you know, terrified about. Do, do they not have, like, a place to have these meetings that's not a university? I feel like for such meetings, especially with a general, you would have a more official place to meet such individuals of importance. When the entire council sits down to meet, it's usually a fairly a fairly large council, and one of the better places is in the auditorium at the university. And so, uh, when they can have large meetings in there, that's typically when they tend to shut it down. Oh, so this is a large meeting. What is the council? You don't mind me asking. The individuals who run and oversee Posh, uh, the different legislators and magisters and things of that nature. I mean, they tend to meet in the university and for their protection, they close it down and lock it down just to make sure that everyone's safe. You never know who might happen to slip in from time to time. And so, you know, when that happens, they close it down. We don't ask questions. Again, it's a free day off. I feel like I would ask questions. And that is well within your right. At the university, we believe in in inquiry and and asking questions and the pursuit of knowledge as the messenger tells us to. But... But you are okay with being locked out of knowledge 
when such meetings are happening. I have no desire to be part of the meetings. It is well above my pay grade and is well above anything that I feel like intervening with. I would prefer to sit here, drink my ale, and enjoy my day off. If you did have the desire, could you go? Uh, you would have to speak to... It, essentially state the reason why you would need to go. Again, it's a safety precaution. We don't want any of our potential magisters to be assassinated as they're trying to, you know, do their job. Does that happen? It has not happened in a while because we do things like lock down the university for meetings. I see. You can see he 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 does appear to be entertained by the questions, mm-hmm. but also has that like hint of annoyance in his face where he's just like, every time he answers the question, he turns <laughs> to drink his drink and then turns to answer your question again, then turns back away, kind of trying to give that social cue. Yep, we're missing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is, and who... Who, who are they meeting that's so important to shut down the whole university? It, uh, there's a dignitary from Chahosrin who's coming. I do not know who else is there. Hmm. Turns back around. <laughs> I shall ask to go to this meeting. Thank you. <laughs> you are more than Wait, welcome. Wait, who, who do I ask? Uh, well, uh, the meeting itself will probably start here in about an hour or two, and so oh, at that point is when you'll be able to speak to the guards at the door and just kind of show them any of your credentials and your reason for wanting to attend the meeting. They may do ask you some questions, maybe do a pat down, make sure you don't have any weapons. And then... I have weapons. Then you will probably have to give them over while you attend the meeting if they allow you in. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you for this travel along the road of knowledge. And he will turn around and drink his drink. <laughs> Wait, what was your name? Uh, my name, uh, my name is Professor Thorpe. I am one of the professors of economic theory at the university. I will remember that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. She'll just go back and sit straight in her chair. As you do sit down, you do see that the door opens and in walks two individuals. You see a uh, kind of haggard old man who's hobbling through and a... Uh, rainbow kind of squirrel kleppen as they come walking in and sit at the table. Then we are going to pan elsewhere to a section of forest in between Posh and Vanith. We cut to a young girl walking through the forest coming to a large section of standing stones. And uh, Nathan, can you introduce your character to us, please? Yes, you would see uh, a a young teenager. She is uh, about 16 years old. She gazes out at the world around her with hazel green eyes larged with internalized fear. Hildegard has pale skin and matted brunette hair. Both have layers of dirt and grime rubbed into them, so she looks more like some kind of urban factory worker. She looks really grungy, grimy. Um, Her hair is tangled and knotted with twigs and burrs, and her clothes are similarly disheveled. Her clothes are a very meager affair, perhaps similar to Old Man Harlow. Um, They are something of, like, potato sacks, burlap, uh, coarse fabric, stringy, poorly assembled, stitched together with frayed string. 
Perhaps the nicest clothing that she has is a torn, whole pocked, and perhaps even singed uh, wool cloak that is dyed a deep evergreen. Um, and so she gazes out at the world, ahead at the circle of standing stones with large, fearful, hazel green eyes. Her, her eyes are wide with internalized trepidation. Her fingers thrum nervously on a knotted walking stick. And this walking stick is literally just like a tree branch that she found on the side of like the path. Um, it is still fresh. It still has twigs of green leaves sprouting out from it. Uh, she's barefoot. Uh, her feet are blistered and uh, um, have dried blood on them. She looks ahead at the standing stones and wonders if perhaps she has found a sanctuary for the first time since she can remember. So yeah, as as Hildegard walks up to this circle of standing stones, uh, give me a very quick awareness check. Awareness, all right. Better than a nine. Better than a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for real. We'll see. Hey, 14, we're moving up. We're moving up. (laughs) 14, all right. As you look at these standing stones, you see that uh, they all appear to be fairly ornately carved, but you do notice that one of the stones appears to be almost anthropomorphic. Uh, it It has resemblings of a, like a, a statue, a large stone statue. I will walk over and I'll start tapping it with my <laughs> with my quarterstaff. Uh, it's anthropomorphic. It looks like a like a person or like a like a personified animal. Uh, like a like a person. Um, yeah. It's it's got uh, it's it's got living features almost. Like you can see, kind of the arms. One hand is like pointed with a finger, pointing one direction. Uh, and you can see like the rounding of the head and the line in between where it looks like two legs are standing. Okay. Well, first she'll look where it's pointing, wondering what lies ahead, what it's what it's telling me to go to. But then just yeah, out of curiosity, I'll just poke, 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 see if anything happens. As you look kind of the direction that it's pointing, you see a break in the trees and a road. Ah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, in terms of the poke, though. Uh, real quick, is there any reaction when this statue starts getting poked? Mm. <laughs> no. No, okay. <laughs> well, perhaps these uh, stand-in stones weren't uh, sanctuary himself, but at least maybe this is point in a direction I can go, maybe find somewhere safe. And she'll put her walking stick back down on the ground and just start toward the, the trail. Alrighty. As she walks away, maybe it's too far to poke again, but not too far to not be heard. Uh, Hildegard would hear, are, are you lost? <laughs> Hildegard would dive behind the nearest tree. <laughs> she clutches her bag of goods, holds her walking stick out as though to, to <laughs> poke away anything that threatens her. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, the art, uh... Dang it. Uh, um, Petrie, uh, would you go see if everything's okay? And you'd see the golem wouldn't move, but the small maroonish brown red finch would 
fly over to Hildegard that was sitting on its head would fly over to Hildegard and try and get the vibes of this person. Hildegard seeing the finch would uh, lower her walking stick and uh, very slowly with like wide eyes uh, tentatively reach a finger out see if she can um, if she can touch the the bird if it flies away if it chirps at her if it shows any sign of danger. Yeah, I don't think the uh, what do you think, Golem? Would would your would Petrie fly away? No, uh, Petrie would be very intrigued, and if perceiving Hildegard as friendly, Petrie would also be friendly, and then report back to me the findings of just like the subtle surface. Is this happy? Is this sad? Is this is this danger? What what vibes am I getting? The fearful, flighty. Okay. In that case, Golem would put his hands down and just turn to look towards Hildegard and then raise a hand to wave. You're okay here. Um, and I don't have any need for your things. I actually have some extra things if if you need them. Are where are you from? You're you're not from around here. The uh, branches would rustle a little bit as her face kind of peers through, and then. Gradually, she slinks out from this undergrowth. You're, you're a rock. Uh, <coughs> I am. Well, there's some moss and vines, um, these carvings, and this. You like my sign? And it's just a, like, from a signpost that he had stolen a wooden <laughs> sign that says posh on it. Um, and he wears it like a low necklace, kind of. I, uh,. I can't read. What, what's it say? Uh, I... This is one of three, and your guess is as good as mine, but the travelers really seem to like it. Um, a lot of them pay me a, a lot of attention when I stand by the road with this, this sign, and they seem to go the right direction, I think. They follow the, the point. Um, some have, have actually come back to, to visit me multiple times and they've touched the sign and they've turned the sign around and it really seems like a fun game for them curiosity has completely taken over from fear that was once there as hildegard moves forward i uh i can't read but i have seen this sign before and uh people seem to be happy when they see it that's what i've observed too do you think it's friend do you think that's what that says i would imagine so um yeah i think it says friend. Is, is that your name then? Um, I, I don't have a, a name. Then I shall call you friend. Oh, uh, oh, okay. I mean, I, I have a lot of things I could show them to you and you could tell me if one of them is a name. Well, I mean, I, I can't read as I said, but I can, <laughs> I can certainly try. <laughs> no, it's, it's not reading. Look. And, uh, go oh. and we'll just have like a bag of all the starting good just hatchet a buckler some <laughs> oh, some amazing. simple clothes she wears are the buckler like it's a hat <laughs> are any of these a name she's like a raccoon in like a pawn shop like just everything is shiny everything is interesting no i i don't think any of these are a name except uh, maybe this again the buckler she's trying to figure out if it's like if it's a hat if it's like a sled if it's a wagon wheel uh well you say, you, when you stand there and people see, they, they, they go that direction, down that path there. 
yeah, they, they stop at me and then they follow the road. Huh, well, do you think maybe that means there's more friends that way? I would think so. There's been a lot of people, a lot of new faces that that come this way. I have only ever gone to the road. I, I haven't left this place. Do you want to see what's at the end of the road? Hmm, I'm, I think I'm waiting for someone. My creator used to come visit me at these stones, but I haven't seen him in a while, so I've just been waiting here. Do you think he'd be at the end of the road? Uh, it's possible. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I have just been looking for a friend and for, uh, a safe place. I, I can wait here with you if you want, but at the same time, I, I do want to find somewhere with, with more friends, because friends can keep you safe. Friends can keep you safe. Um, I would love to find more friends, but before we go, there's somebody that I have to say goodbye to if if you want to come along. Oh, okay, of course. Oh, and uh, who, what, what's your bird's name? Oh, uh, my creator used to call her Petrie, and so we just call her Petrie. Petrie. Hello, Petrie. And I'm friend? Yes, friend. And I'm Hildegard, friend. Hildegard, Hildegard. Okay, here, here, follow me. There's a, um, another friend in the water. I, I have to say goodbye. I, I, I would hate to leave without telling him where I'm going. Uh, okay. Very well. Golem will lead to, like, the nearest stream or, or river. And as they, um, as they get close. Here, get close. You'll be able to see. Maybe there's, uh, Hildegard in the water. And he's going to lean over, and it's just the reflection of himself. Oh, um, God. So, me and my friend, um, I'm friend, by the way, and me and my friend Hildegard, me and Hildegard, we're gonna go find some more of me, or more of friends. And I just want to say that, even though you don't talk a lot, you've been a great listener, and thank you for being here while my creator hasn't been. And I think... I'm, yeah, Hildegard and friend are going to go find some friends. Hildegard would watch this kind of dumbfounded. She'd creep up to the edge of the water and look down and see her own reflection, see like all of the grime and soot on her face, the burrs in her hair. And uh, this is the first time that she's seen herself as she is now. And uh, she's just very, very quiet and then steps away from the water. Would I um, be able to... I guess understand the the vibes that Hildegard is is giving off. Um, I'm certainly not trying to conceal them. I don't know how how good you are at picking up like human vibes, but she's um <laughs> deep. She she's in deep shock. Okay. Give me give me an awareness check real quick. Can I mm, can I add my perceiving to this? Uh, yeah, we'll say yes. Okay. You can definitely tell that there is something wrong uh, that, you know, like what was said, Hildegard definitely has that, that those emotions. You don't have a lot of experience with emotions, though. Mm -hmm. And so determining exactly what it is, it's definitely a little bit outside of your wheelhouse. But you can at least tell that there's something that there's something there that is not good. OK, I'll shelf that for maybe another time but as we uh friend will start to pull away from the me in the water 
he'll look back to Hildegard and look at the twigs and stuff in, in her hair. Are you, um, are you building a nest in your hair? That's, uh, I've only ever seen Petrie do that, and I, I'm sure you two would get along great. <laughs> no, no. And she'll, like, start trying to pull the, the twigs out of her hair. <laughs> That's all she says. Um, okay, I, I don't think, no, it looks, it looks, it, um, here, let's, let's, let's go to the road. Let's go to the road. All right, friend. I mean, yeah, you guys, you guys head over to the road and, uh, you know, start on your trek to Posh. Uh, it stays fairly quiet. It's, you know, middle of the day. Uh, there's not really... Over near Posh is not really known for any kind of like crime or bandits or anything like that. It's a it's a pretty a pretty decent hub of, you know, intellectual and commerce and things of that nature. And so, yeah, you guys head over there pretty easily uh, without a lot of issues. And right on the outskirts, uh, you see uh, as you're walking into town, you see that there's just this little old lady who. Uh, sees the two of you walking up. Oh dear, you... You look lost, little one. And is referencing Hildegard. Is is this your friend? Gestures uh, yes. to friend. Yes, this is, this, this is my friend. This is friend. You, you look like you could use a little bit of, uh, of help. Uh, when's the last time you ate, child? Um, not rightly sure. I mean, I had some, uh, berries, uh, two, maybe three days ago, but made my tummy cramp something fierce. Okay. Um, here, f- follow me. And uh, will gesture for you to follow her and leads you into a tavern where the two of you head inside and she gestures for you to sit down at the table and Thank goes to not. go get you some food and to get you a room with a bath so that you can, you know, bathe and Get yourself presentable. And that is Hildegard and Friend. Nice. Then we are going to cut, actually, uh, to a few hours ago uh, <laughs> to the university where we are going to uh, kind of pan to one of the classrooms where we see a, uh, you know, an older gentleman who's standing giving a presentation. All right. So... When you are entertaining, uh, y- you know, we we know for a fact that there's going to be times where we're going to maybe overhear something that we probably shouldn't, right? As as troubadours, we get invited to all kinds of parties and and, and we, we want to be sure that we are keeping client privilege secret, okay? Whoever, when people hire us, they don't want us blabbing their business, you know? So we want to be sure that the ethics of a troubadour are being upheld, okay? So do we, does anyone have any questions? Oh, oh, um, yes, I have, I have a few. If um, someone else would like to go first, they're more than welcome to. I have quite the list. The professor turns and points, and Roger, can you describe your character for us? Lucian Delwery is a, a strapping young lad of, of 25. He's about six foot one, probably weighs somewhere around like 145, 155. And the first thing that you would notice about him, he kind of has, he has elevated cheekbones. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a sharp 
cut to his features. He's got a medium bob going on, kind of a side part with a mop of wavy curls falling off to the side. Has a little bit of a like a truffle charcoal hue to his hair with just a smidge, smidge of purple highlights coming through there. You would notice that he also has like the faintest of blue and grayish eyes. And if you were a little bit closer, you'd probably be able to notice that although the clothes look fine, they look like they'd be something that you would expect of at least middle or upper middle classes. They're old. It's something that's required constant care. And if you get really close, you'd probably be able to tell that there's been some, some patchwork, some sewing done to this. But they take great pride, great care in their appearance, how they present to the world. You notice that strapped to their side, they'd have a tome, which is currently bound up with some iron latchings. You'd also notice that kind of strapped to their side, they'd have a loot. The lute, similar to the rest of the garb, kind of gives off a, an old but treasured energy to it. And while this individual carries themselves with a, a smugness about them, there is something in the eyes that says that they are soaking up every ounce of information that this lecturer has to share with them. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, the professor turns and looks. Y yes, Lucian. What? What can I do? What can I answer for you? Well, I, I think it's important to begin. You you have framed this as an, a lesson on ethics. Yes. And with that in mind, I'm curious. Is what you are saying that it is more ethical to hear of potential travesties that are to go on and to do nothing than it is to intervene if we were to, I don't know, learn of something truly diabolical? Well, that leads into a very important discussion, doesn't it? Because if we were to hear of something, let's say you hear a confession of a murder, your duty as a citizen would be to report that, correct? Of course, Regardless of, course. of how you heard it, you would need to report that. So yes, if you hear of something quote-unquote diabolical, then yes, you would report that. But if you hear of someone sleeping with someone else, then you don't want to go blabbing your mouth about that. This is what we say in terms of the ethics. You always report the, quote, diabolical intent, but you keep everything else to yourself. So you're saying we get to choose what ethics we apply? Now, see, Lucian, you're twisting my words. Uh, you... You take your duty as a citizen and report what needs I you so uh, you are you sir are yes. twisting what I said that's oh oh I, I do apologize if I've somehow misconstrued what your lesson was May, although kind of looks around to the rest of the class to kind of get their vibe and get their energy to see if they're on my side or if they're on the professor's side I just want to to clarify, to make sure that as we all go out into the world doing our, our duties, that we have a good understanding of right and wrong. Give me a charisma check for the for your other classmates. Uh, so this is going to be indicating on whether or not they Sweet. agree with what you're saying. Yeah, so persuading sound okay? Uh, sure, we can do persuading. <laughs> the curse. Oh, truly one roll. So an 11. 
you see that it's it's pretty divided. So there's about three students sitting over by you uh, that appear to be like kind of nodding their head in agreement to what you're saying. And then you see about four other students on the other side of the room that seem like they're kind of shaking their head in like this guy. Like we're just trying to learn and he's being disruptive. But so the professor at this point just starts you. So like the professor seems genuinely dumbfounded and not quite sure what to say because they don't want to speak incorrectly and give you more (laughs) ammunition. But they're trying to also answer the question and show that they are in control of their classroom. So I I think what what we need to focus on. So the, the most important thing is that you keep your client, your client's secrets secrets, unless... So he leans in. Yes? <laughs> what you have gleaned, what you have heard, what you have learned could save a life or prevent a travesty. You'd... The students, especially the ones that probably were not fully on board, would probably notice that at mention of save a life, there's this kind of understanding, acceptance. Fine, fine. I, I I do. I apologize for interrupting. I did not mean to be a nuisance. I simply wish to clarify. And it kind of gave a little humble bow and kind of stepped back so he's no longer the focal point of that lesson. Absolutely. The messenger says that we spread knowledge and information and that is what we have done here today. We have spread more knowledge to individuals who have sought to seek it. And so... The professor kind of goes around and starts talking about, you know, like different stanzas that people might use in, you know, their uh, their poetic journeys, things of that nature. Uh, it kind of starts explaining some of this a little bit in depth as the orb, uh, this pulsating orb that's in the center of the room kind of pulsates out a little bit, uh, kind of like a dull red and then goes back to its blue color indicating that the lesson is over for the day. And so as all of the students leave, the professor kind of looks over at you. Lucian, real quick, um, can can I speak with you for just a moment? Oh, gladly. I did not have any other plans after class, so I'd love to speak to you. Yes, how can I help you today? It, it, this will be very brief. I... I we don't want to keep you from your the rest of your studies any longer than I have to. Right, um, studies. I have heard tell, and I, I do not think that this is true, but I've heard tell that maybe you might have been, that you may have taken something of one of your other classmates the other day. They they were referencing a, a, a book that they were using to document in went missing as they were sitting next to you and so oh 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 my this is truly troubling news but i do have a question for you um to get to the root of this you in your professorial role you consider us the students your your clients in a sense would you not <laughs> give me a charisma <laughs> check on that one <laughs> Oh, oh, there it is. Yes! First crit. That's where all the good rolls are. Oh, <laughs> one he finally. Give it to me. The professor <laughs> just smiles and goes, I would suppose so, yes. I mean, I, I view all of my students as 
uh, you know, it is, it's my duty to, to serve you almost, uh, to teach you everything that I know. Well, then, with us being on the same page, I must share a bit of wisdom that a wise professor once shared with me once. <laughs> it is best to keep the secrets of our clients their own, unless it deals with the likes of murder or other such travesties. And I kind of give him a pat on the shoulder. <laughs> you absolute mad lad. <laughs> the, the, professor, the professor looks very <laughs> confused, but because the so the professor looks extremely confused right now because for one, you learned something. In his class today, <laughs> I did. and you were able to repeat it very well. It's called a but they cannot learning. help but feel like they were just manipulated and or threatened at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just they they look extremely confused, but just kind of smile. Y- yes, yes. Um. So th- the university will be, um kind of closing down, locking down for a little bit today for an important meeting. And so I will, uh, you're pretty much excused for, for the day. Um, yeah, if, if you need any other, if you have any questions or anything on today's lessons, just let me know. But yeah, I'm gonna, what kind of important meeting? What is going on exactly? I apologize. I'm not privy to that information. Uh, but uh, yes, they are asking all students and faculty to uh, to adjourn for the day and to return tomorrow morning for lessons. So uh, I will uh, just wanted to let you know that. And yeah. Oh. He just kind of like looks down a little bit and then literally just starts wandering off upstairs to the loft of the classroom and just sits down on a couch. He kind of calls out after him. Um, well, again, thank you. Thank you so much for the lesson. I am off to enjoy the rest of the afternoon, and best of luck with that thief. And he kind of takes his leave. <laughs> so as you leave, uh, leave the university and start kind of heading out on your own, what do you think is one of the kind of the first things that Lucian would like to do? Um, well, for all of the opportunity that Lucian has at the university. His after-hours or extracurriculars, if you will, are still very much focused on trying to make ends meet. So the first thing on his mind is, where is he going to be laying his head tonight? Where is he going to be able to get a hot meal? And where is somewhere that's going to let him in still that he hasn't wronged or uh, otherwise offended the patrons? So, I mean, you uh, kind of start looking around at some of the different inns and everything like that, and one of the closest ones that you've seen that you have not, as you said, wronged is a little ways walk. Uh, probably about probably about an hour and a half walk from the university to get to the inn. Um, but you find yourself at a, you know, a small little tavern that you kind of wander in. And as you do, you see that there is a young girl and a big golem sitting at one table, an old man and a kleppin at another. Uh, you see a fiendish-looking a fiendish-looking individual sitting at one table as you walk past them and have a seat and start preparing for your next, uh, essentially, grift. Allegedly. Allegedly. And that is where we are going to end our prologue episode. 
thank you everyone very much for joining us and be sure to check out, if you haven't already, our Session Zero, where you meet the amazing cast who you heard here today. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Veil of the Eternal Night Kickstarter at theeternalnight.com. Until next time, keep crafting those stories.